a good reminder. This past week, um, I was telling the team that we have a 200-year-old farmhouse in Virginia. If you've ever been in a 200-year-old farmhouse, uh, it's tough to fix sometimes. <laughs> so we have one bathroom, which we've always had our whole married life, Walt and I, pretty much everywhere we've ever lived. And back when the flood happened, um, people got flood from the creeks. Well, we got flood from the roof. And in our bathroom, <laughs> the ceiling collapsed. So we had to get that fixed and uh, temporarily soaked. We had already planned to have um, some work done in July, and then the flood happened. So our contractor, of course, our, our needs weren't as pressing as other people's. So we, uh, we were glad to take a step back and wait and let him fix other people's. Um, houses and homes that were in desperate need of that. So anyway, they came this week on Wednesday and ripped off my bathroom. Let me tell you, you want to fast negativity and uh, negative words and negative thoughts when a porter john enters your world. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> no bathroom? <laughs> okay. So yeah, and we didn't have power there for a good portion of the week. I didn't even know Miss Amy had had her baby that was up, that's up on Miss Amy Turley. Had baby Jack this week, and we're so thankful for that. I missed that because I had no power. <laughs> but anyway, so what a great opportunity to remember to be positive in all things. You know, and even, at its, even with a port we're still in better shape than most people in most of the world, in the third world. You know, we really are. And so Walt and I kind of laugh about it. And we're, we're moving with that. His mother also was in the hospital all this week in Roanoke. She still is, but she's on the mend. She's probably going to get out in the morning. So we have a lot of opportunities to be negative and to be frustrated and uh, those kind of things. But, you know, it's why it's, why it's so good to think about what's going on in here. This morning, I had a PowerPoint fix for you guys, but it didn't want to cooperate with the, uh, with the computer back there. So we're going we're gonna to roll with it. Is that okay? So this morning, what I'm going to talk to you about is what's your why? What is your why? So many times we focus on the what, the who, the when, the where, but why, the why is what God thinks about. It's the why. Amen. So what's your why? Now, the past, what, uh, the whole month of September, Bishop cast vision about the house, and we actually recited the vision this morning for One Life. And vision is so closely related. Actually, they're, they're interwoven to why. Your vision, so many times you think, well, I have to have a vision. And we think about, well, that's where we're trying to get to. It's the big picture. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a who, who's going to be part of the vision, where are we going. But you have to know the why for that vision to be accomplished. Because if you don't have a why, you'll give up. That's just the truth of the matter. You have to have a why. And so this, the, the beautiful screens that we had made with the four core values, that vision that, vision that was cast by Bishop in September, the first thing, do you all remember what the first E is? Think. We just recited it. One life we aspire to what? It's an E. Encounter. <laughs> Encounter. Encounter God. Encounter God, right? So that's our who. And do you know how do we encounter God? 
in our worship services, right? We don't have to be in church to encounter God, but here at One Life, this is the place that where we really, we want to create a place where God and people can meet and really have an experience, have an experience, a true encounter to be changed. Because what's the reason why? Why do we want to encounter God? Do you remember? It's so we can discover life. That's the why. Apart from God, there is no life. So you see how what I'm saying here with vision, there's, there has to be a why. There has to be a why. The second E, do you remember it? Equip. Who do we equip? Believers. Believers through our life groups, which um, Renee was talking about with the living room, and we're doing honors reward this semester. But we equip through life groups. And why, why do we want to equip? Why do we want to get together so we can do life together? We can do life together. Like, what, does, what good is that? Well, when we do life together, iron sharpens iron. We make each other better and stronger. Amen? We also, when we're in small groups in a small intimate setting, when we're in here, you know, I'm not going to preach Bishop's message again, but when we're in here, this is one level of knowing one another. But when you get into a smaller group, even like with the worship team, we're getting to know each other better. In a smaller, a smaller, more intimate group, you can bear one another's burdens. You can be there for each other. You can actually, what the Bible says, confess your faults to one another so that you might be healed. So in a small group or a life group, you find freedom. You really find freedom. So we, we, are, we equip believers so that we, can, and we do that by doing life together. Our 30 is empower. Who do we empower? Followers of Christ. Amen. And we do that. Do you remember how? No, don't answer, Josh. You know. <laughs> how do we empower the followers? What do we do that through here at One Life? Do you remember? The dream team. We do that through serving. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to serve, and the reason why, our why, is so that we can do life for others. We can do life for others. Amen. The last D is what? Do you remember? Engage. I heard it back there. Yay, engage. Okay, who do we engage? Our culture and our world. How, and do you know why do we do that? What's our why? Know your why. What's your why? We do life with purpose. With purpose. How we engage the culture and change our world is that we, we do life with purpose. We truly live out and walk out what God created you to do and to be. Amen? To be salt and light. We have to make people hungry, thirsty for something different, that they didn't even really know what it was that they wanted. Amen? So that's how we do it. So that's kind of a review, a review of, the, of the One Life vision, but even with the vision of the house, each one of you God has a why. He has a purpose for you. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. It doesn't matter your past. He has a purpose and a plan for you. That's your why. So I've been thinking a lot about this lately. I've been doing, reading a lot of books. I like to read. I've shared that with y'all before. I'm kind of like a nerd like that. I like to read. I listen to podcasts and stuff like that. I enjoy it. And one of the things I noticed, I was like, is this just here? But it's not. If you get out into church world and you listen to podcasts, maybe read blogs, whatever, 
There are so many parts of the body of Christ that God is calling back to their why. To understand the vision, what they're doing, and why they're doing it. It's not just unique here to One Life or to me. It's, it's a thing that's happening in this season in the body of Christ. And that just confirms in my spirit that, that's, that we're on the right track here. So this past week, I was actually listening to some podcasts. I was reading some blogs. And I can't tell you how many times, how many messages included the word why. It was several of them. It, it, I won't bring them all up, but it was amazing. And one of the things, one of the quotes several, several weeks ago, I'm reading a book called Living Forward by Michael Hyatt. And it talks about how to have a plan for your life and not to just drift aimlessly. Because when you drift, you end up somewhere that you never intended to. You know when, like, you go to the beach and you're out and you're out there surfing on the waves, right? And you're having a good old time. And the next thing you look up, like, where's my hotel? <laughs> and you're, like, miles down the beach. You've, you've drifted away from your mark, right? So that's what this book is about. And it's really interesting. One of the ways they talk about um, not getting adrift is to now write your own eulogy. You know what that is? It's, it's what they read at the funeral. Like, basically what it's saying is, what, when I'm gone, what do I want to remain? That's your why. If you fulfilled your why, if you fulfilled your why, that eulogy will be powerful. And you think, well, I don't have, the, I'm not called to preach. I'm not called to do all this stuff. It doesn't matter. It's whatever God has has asked you to do, whatever purpose he's put in you, if it's to stay at home and to raise godly children, what a powerful calling. If it is a nurse at the bedside taking care of people, if it's to run a DJ business and to go out and, and to engage the culture and be salt and light in what can be a kind of wild and crazy place out there, you know, and events and things like that, whatever it is God has called you to do, that's your why. And Michael Hyatt said something in this book, and it kind of just like wrecked me. It kind of, it was one of those things where you just stopped and you went, wow. He said, when you lose your why, you lose your way. Did you hear that? When you lose your why, you lose your way. I wish that was my quote, but it's not. It's his. And I, I thought about that a lot for several days after I read it. It made me start asking myself some really hard questions. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing it? What's this about? Down, down, underneath, right? Some really important questions for us to ask ourselves. So God cares about your why. I'll show you. In 1 Samuel 16 and 7, this, these scriptures are about when David was anointed to be king. And y'all, many of you are probably familiar with the story of David. He was the eighth son, and in that culture, he was not the first in line. <laughs> he was out taking care of the sheep, his father's sheep out in the field. He wasn't really regarded, didn't have too much plans for him being number eight son. He was way down on the totem pole, so to speak. And Samuel, the prophet, has come to anoint the next king. And so he's, he's on to anoint, and I love this verse. It says, this is from the message version. It says, but God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. He's talking about his eldest brother, Eliab. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. God looks into the heart. 
David was called the man after God's own heart. Your heart is the location of your motivation and your motives. Everybody is motivated by something. Even the people you think, you know, they, sometimes they'll, they'll talk about people, they say they lack motivation or like lazy people, they lack motivation. Well, I'm going to tell you, they're motivated by something, getting out of work. That's their motivation. So everybody is motivated by something. It's a matter of what that motivation is, and it resides in our heart. Amen? We are all motivated by something. We look for the right what or who, <laughs> but God always looks for the right why. Samuel was looking for the right who to be the king. But God was looking for the right why. He was looking for a man that would be after his own heart. That's what was important to him. Not looks, not where he was in the lineage of the family. It didn't matter that he was a shepherd, that he was the youngest. He looked at the heart. Amen? So how do we know if we have the right why? How do we know that? Start asking yourself some tough questions. Ask yourself, why am I doing this? When you get ready to do something, undertake something, even when you get up in the morning, God, what is it that you want me to do today? What is it that you want me to do? In one of the leadership meetings, Tom Atkins said something that was just so powerful. It was just so powerful. He said, we ask God to bless what we're doing instead of asking God, what he's doing, so we can bless it, right? We ask him, we get our plan together, and then we ask God to bless that, right? Amen, brother. Did I say it right? I probably messed it up a little bit. But she said, we ought to ask God what he wants to bless, and then we do that. And I thought, my goodness, I wrote that down. That is so, so strong. I went home and told Walt about it, and he's like, he's like, you know, that is so true. We, 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 we get our plan, our, our mind on something, and then we go back and we say, God wants you to bless this. Or we pray about it, but we've already kind of established it in our heart. But if we would start with him being the why, us asking him what he wants to bless, what, did you, what do you have for me to do today, God? You, I got up this morning. I got breath in my lungs. What is it that you have for me to do today? And I know that sounds really simple, but I started doing it. I started doing it. When I get up in the morning, when my eyes first pop open, I'm like, God, okay, what is it that you want me to do today? Then my son gets crazy, and he's not a morning person before school. <laughs> so then I'm like, get up, brush your teeth, you know, get your clothes on, da, da, da. And then I have to stop and say, God, you know, you, gave, you entrusted this child to me. God, you entrusted this child to me. I want to teach him to be on time, to be a good steward, and all of these things. God, you help me. This is what you play. You placed me here. It's not an accident that you're placed in the family that you're placed in. I always wondered a little bit about why some of the people that I share DNA with, I'm like, I'm not sure about this. You know what I'm talking about, Renee. <laughs> it's like, I don't know about this. But then God, God would correct me. He's like, I put you in that family. I put you in that, in that lineage. I put you there for a reason and a purpose. So start asking yourself, you know, God, what is it that you want me to do? And when you get in the middle of something, you know, and sometimes we go through routine, don't we? We go through routine. We get up, we go to work. I kind of talked about that several months ago when we talked about turning the page in the reset month of August. 
but you kind of get in the routine. Sometimes you just need to stop in that routine and you say, God, why am, why, why, why am I doing this? Is, this? is this what I need to be doing? We complain about our schedules being so busy, but we made them. If we made them and didn't consult God, then why are we asking him to give us grace for things that we didn't even consult him about in the first place? It may be that you need to eliminate some of those things and say no to some stuff. Did you hear what I'm saying here? Because you're doing it, but you're not doing it with the right reasons here. It might be because you don't want people to be upset with you. You're pleaser. I'm, I, I, I struggle with that sometimes for approval you're going to do something. Sometimes it's because, you know, you think, oh, I got to make the money. I got to make the money. I got to make the money. Whatever it is, make sure that your motive is right, and it starts with him. Hallelujah. The next question I started asking myself a lot is, is this really eternal? You know, when you get in, like, situations, you know, with your family and stuff, and I've talked about that before, you know, you maybe have conflicts or things like that. Some things are just better, just leave it alone. Is it, is it something that is really eternal or is going to matter when we stand before him? If it's not an eternal issue, then why are we, why are we even dealing with it? <laughs> you know? And I'm not talking about you don't, you're not practical. We have, that we work and we do those things. We have a practical, an everyday life that we walk out. But man, when it comes down to some stuff, ask yourself, is this really eternal, this stuff I'm worrying about? You know, you see the stuff on Pinterest and you think I, moms get mommy guilt. <laughs> I didn't make the cupcakes right or whatever. Is this eternal? Does it really matter in the grand scheme of things? I don't think so. So ask yourself, is this eternal or not? And the last question that I ask myself, this is just me personally. I'm just, just sharing with you. Does it pass the greatest commandment test? Remember the greatest commandment that Jesus gave us. They asked the, the Pharisees, asked him, what's the greatest commandment? He said, to love your Lord, the Lord your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So when I'm starting to do something, starting to say something, starting to buy something, whatever, does this thing pass the greatest commandment test? Is it birthed out of love, which is God? So that's our why, Amen. Our why should always, always, always connect us to God's presence. It should always. I love David because he made some terrible decisions. Terrible decisions. <laughs> he had an affair. Then um, with Bathsheba, she got pregnant. Then he tries to cover it up. And then he has her husband killed. He didn't know that. Yes, it's in the Bible. It's in there. Go check out Samuel for Samuel. So, you know, he made some terrible decisions. But David always knew. He always knew how to get back into the presence of God. That's why he was called the man after God's own heart. He always knew. He knew that it starts with acknowledging your sin. You acknowledge where you go wrong. And you, when the wheels fall off of it, you acknowledge it. You repent, which means you do a 180. You don't keep doing the same thing. And you run to God. You don't run away from Him. You run to Him. To His presence. Amen. Oh. So He understood that. Now, unfortunately, His son, Solomon, 
didn't follow his example. And he starts out great. <laughs> Solomon starts out with the right why. The one thing, you know, that God told and his father told him to do before he died and he passed on the, the he made him king, announced, crowned him as king. He said, you know, you love God and you keep his commands. You love God and you keep his commands. And so Solomon, God comes to Solomon and asks him, you know, what do you want? He's like, I, I need wisdom. Because he knew that wisdom, all wisdom, begins with the fear of God. It begins with him. And because he started out well, God's like, wow, because you've, you've, you've asked well for this so that you can lead, lead my people well, I'm going to give you everything else. He was blessed financially. He had everything. He, I mean, he was the wisest man. He was blessed beyond measure. When you read it, oh, my goodness. I mean, how the stuff that they had, the stuff that he built, the gold, everything. Queen of Sheba came, and she's like, I've never, it, 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 what I've heard doesn't even compare to half, you know. It's incredible. His wealth was incredible. His wisdom was incredible. He had everything. But by the end of his life, things changed. I want to read to you out of Ecclesiastes. Solomon wrote this. It's um, chapter 1, and it's kind of lengthy, but I like it. This is from the message version. And you just have to picture a grumpy old man. <laughs> just picture a little grumpy old man. So this is Solomon. There's nothing to anything. It's all smoke. What's there to show for a lifetime of work? A lifetime of working your fingers to the bone. One generation goes its way, the next one arrives, but nothing changes. It's business as usual for old planet Earth. The sun comes up, the sun goes down, and then it does it again and again, the same old ground. Everything's boring, utterly boring. No one can find any meaning in it. Boring to the eye, boring to the ear. What was will be again? What happened will happen again. There's nothing new on this Earth. Year after year, it's the same old thing. Does someone call out, hey, this is new? Don't get excited. It's the same old story. Wow. So this was the man who had everything, and by the end of his life, he sounds pretty jaded, doesn't he? He sounds pretty jaded. This is the same man who built the temple that his father David wanted to build. He built it. He accomplished so much. And now this is a man who sounds utterly unfulfilled. There's no meaning in anything that I've done. Think about that. What happened? What happened to Solomon? His why changed. His why changed. In 1 Kings 11, this is one of the saddest chapters, I think, in the Bible. It says, King Solomon was obsessed with women. Pharaoh's daughter was only the first of the many foreign women he loved, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite. He took them from the surrounding pagan nations of which God had clearly warned Israel, you must not marry them. They'll seduce you into infatuations with their gods. Solomon fell in love with them anyway, refusing to give them up. He had 700 royal wives and 300 concubines, a thousand women in all. I'll just leave that alone. And they did seduce him away from God. 
As Solomon grew older, his wives beguiled him with their alien gods, and he became unfaithful. He didn't stay true to his God as his father David had done. So David had an issue with a woman also, right? Same issue, but he repented and turned back to God. He wrote in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, renew a and renew a right spirit within me, God. Don't cast me from your presence, God. This is after he was confronted about his sin. His heart just repented and ran back to God. But Solomon, it says here, he refused. He refused to give them up. He turned his back. The next verse says Solomon openly defiled God by worshiping pagan gods. In this chapter, the next heading says Solomon openly defies God. So his why went from, God, I need your wisdom. I need you. I can't do this without you. It all starts with you. To I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm not going to give, give this up. And by the end of his life, he had basically lost, lost his way. God still, he didn't remove him. That his, he was diminished, that he was, it says that God says that he was still good to him because of David. <laughs> when you read in there, it says he was good to him because of David, but he openly defied God. So, okay, we're, we're back to why. What's your why? Your why gives you direction. Solomon lost his way, but when God is your why, he always points you in the right direction. Always, always. That's the good news. You may not be able to see the final destination, but he will guide you step by step by step. If he's your why, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. When he is your why, Jesus is called what? The way, the truth, the life. He's the way. It points you in the right direction. Amen. Proverbs 16 and 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We have to spend time with him. And every time I get up here, I talk about the word. I know I do. I talk about it. I'm like, you've got to get in his word. This is not Melissa's opinion. This is not something that I just dreamed up. This is his word applied to our lives. You have to spend time with him. It's about relationship. How many of y'all have ever had somebody give you advice that you really didn't know that well? Yeah, or try to give you advice. What did you think about that advice? A lot of times you don't really receive it, do you? You've got to have relationship to receive that, to, sur- to receive direction, to receive correction. You've got to have relationship. It all begins with relationship with him. I love it says in um, um, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, a shepherd has a staff and a crook, right? And that staff is to direct the sheep, to get them where they need to go, and the rod is for correction. If we spend time with him, he's going to point us in that direction. 
And if we get off here by, off to the side, just like a, a good shepherd does or a good father, if we get off to the side, what, is, what, do, you, what do you do with your kids, with your animals? You have, you know, uh-uh, come on, come on back in here. Come on back in here. Let's, let's get back on track, right? You're looking out ahead. No, he's a, he's a good, Jesus is called the good shepherd. He's looking out ahead of us because he can see He's the beginning and the end. He sees our beginning and our end, and he can see things up ahead and, and give us that direction, right? Amen? So it all starts with relationship. Your why also develops your devotion. It develops your devotion. And when I was preparing this, and, and you know, I was thinking passion. I was no words, I kind of, the way when I'm studying anything, I kind of like brainstorm and I'll write words down, things, keywords, things that, that, you know, I feel like I'll probably use or whatever, and I'll brainstorm, I'll write things down. And I had passion written down, and when I was looking at passion, um, God says, nice devotion. And I was like, well, what does devotion mean? <laughs> I was thinking about the Greece song, what is it, hopelessly devoted to you or whatever. That's the only thing I can think about with devotion or, or like what you do before bed or before whatever when you're in camp, devotions, I don't know. Um, and I was like, well, what does that mean? And so I looked it up, and devotion is a feeling of strong love or loyalty. Devotion means the use of time, money, energy for a particular purpose. Now, passion, on the other hand, passion means it's any powerful or compelling emotion. And I'm a passionate person. I am. I, love, I mean, y'all probably can see it. I get excited about stuff. When I'm focused on something, I, I'm really passionate about it. But you know, the thing about passion is, is that it can flame up quick, but buddy, it can die out just as quick as it flamed up, can it? Devotion is actually passion plus loyalty equals devotion. That's what God gave me in my spirit. Passion plus loyalty. It's the stick to itness of devotion, right? That God's, he wants us to be passionate, but he wants us to be loyal, to have the stick to itness. So really devotion is mature passion, if you think about it that way. Devotion is mature passion. It's sustained. It's, it's, it's loyalty. It's you're there through the thick, through the thin. You're there. It's, it's that just that loyal, constant, right? So as I was thinking about that, I was like, well, you know, the thing you think about most with devotion, with passion, is marriage, right? You think about when you first fell in love, those of you who are married. I've been married 26 years to Walt. <laughs> He's a pretty good guy. I'll keep him. And I have to be honest with you, every day has not been about, like, this super passionate thing. There's days that you get up, you got stuff to do. There's days he gets on my nerves. Yes, I'll say that from the pulpit, but I love him. There's days I'm sure I get on his nerves. Um, but we're, we're, we're devoted to one another, right? It's that love and that loyalty. And if you think about it even with your kids, sometimes, you know, the children that you prayed for, man, you wanted these kids so desperately. Then when you get them, they get on your ever-loving last nerve. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, why? After you've told your child the tenth time to pick up the socks or to brush their teeth or to do, you know, and whatever, and it's just like, oh, you know. We've got to remember why we wanted these kids in the first place. God entrusted them to us, right? So it's, it's like that with any relationship. You have to remember your first love. You have to remember 
the beginning, right? So I love it in um, Revelation 2, 2 through 4. Jesus is speaking to the church of Ephesus. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So they're steadfast, man. They're devoted. He says, but yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. And it goes on to say to do the fir- your first things first when you read on in that chapter. So if, you, if right now where you're sitting right now and you're thinking not necessarily, you know, about your marriage or your kids, your relationship with God, if it's not at that passion level that, you, that it once was, then you have to think back, think, think back to when you first got saved. Think about when you could not wait to get into the house of God, to be in his presence. I get so tickled about Chris when he comes up and worships. And he worships his heart out up here. And he didn't hear me say that. I was talking about you, brother. <laughs> so I'm talking about how passionate you are in worship. But, yeah, and it, it just, you know, you have to think about that. If we ever lose sight of where we came from, you know, when I heard this said, and I thought it was just really neat, in one of the podcasts I was listening to, and it says that, that the moment you think that you know everything about someone or something is the moment passion dies. Think about that for a second. When you think that you know everything about someone or something, that's when passion dies. For me, you know, I, I want to apply it to, to music or praise and worship or anything like that. You know, I was telling the team a while back, I've been doing this for a while, leading worship, and um, one of the team members said to me, you know, you're so passionate about, about, about God, about worship, you know, and, and you've been doing this for a while. So because I never stopped learning. I never stopped learning. I'm so thankful for this team, and it is, it's growing me. You know, working, I told Rev that not too long ago, Anthony, did you know that you guys are stretching me? You're growing me. And I'm learning, and I'm growing, even in this season. Yeah, I've led worship for, oh, what, 12, 12 years, something like that. But the way you maintain passion is you, there's always more to know. And that's how I feel about Walt. There's always fun adventures for us to go on. Even if it's tearing a bathroom off the house and going old school with the Porta John. I mean, we're going we're gonna to have, have fun. We're going to have an adventure together. And I think that's, I don't think I know that that's why we're still married after all of these years. We still enjoy one another. We still, there's still, we still know there's more to be known about each other. And I think we get that to that place, church, with God. I think we get to the place where we think, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, I know about David. <laughs> I heard that scripture, yeah. Yeah, I know about that. I know about that. I know that song. Yeah, we sang it. Yeah, I know it. God help us when we can sit in his presence and think that we know everything. God help us when we get in his word. And we read his word like the newspaper. It's living. It's alive. 
He is the Word. Amen. We have to cultivate passion for Him. <laughs> Church, we have to cultivate passion for Him. So all great relationships, they have to be cultivated, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's with your kids, at work with your coworkers. Those can be some, you know, your, 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 your work friends. A lot of people say, you know, your work friends. Cultivating those relationships with your family, your extended family. We always have to continue to, to explore and to, to learn and to grow from one another. Amen. I'm almost there. Hang with me. So the last, the last D. So your why gives you determination, gives you direction, develops your devotion. Your why gives you determination. I had this picture. This is such a good little picture of a wine. Can y'all see it? I wish I had like the music to Eye of the Tiger, you know, dun, dun, dun. It's not, you know, I'm telling on my age. But <laughs> I, I, that's not a tiger. Wrong song, wrong animal. Why did you cry? <laughs> this is a line. But I love lines. My son's name is Judah. <laughs> um, and Jesus was known as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So we, we, we have some lines in our house. But your why gives you determination. I love the, the scripture in Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. It says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. We were that joy to bring us back into relationship, to reconcile us to the Father. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. So when God is our why, when we have the right why, we can endure. We can, we can be determined. I think about mothers giving birth. I mean, I guess because of Amy having little Jack. But, you know, I've worked as an OB nurse for a lot of years. And, and you, you hear moms, like, when they get in transition, and that's when they're, like, seven, seven, eight, nine centimeters. And now they get to 10, and you're like, before they get to 10, they're like, I just want to quit. I want to go home. You know, I've had mothers tell me that. They're like, just, I want to go home. And, I, you know, you're so close. You know, you're so close. You can do this. And then we start pushing, and they're like, I can't do it. You know? But then you start talking to them about their baby. You're almost there. You're going to see your baby. You're almost there. Come on, you can do it. Let's push. You, know, you start counting, and, and you start encouraging them. And if you can get them focused on that, hey, we see some head. We see some head. Come on, push, push. And that's when the moms, when they, get, they, they think about the joy set before them, about those babies, and they'll dig down in there, and they will start pushing. They'll give it all they've got. And that's what we have to do. Yeah, stuff gets tough. It gets hard. It gets messed up. It gets, you know, complicated sometimes. But if we keep the why, him, as our why, we can push through that stuff for the joy set before us. Amen? So t this morning... Can we stand to our feet? Rev, why don't you come on up and help me? I know this morning's, you know, I'm not, I'm not Bishop, and I, I wouldn't try to be. <laughs> He's incredible. 
I'm more of a teacher. I'm more of applying the Word of God to your life. And I'm good with that. You know, it used to be that I worried, you know, being a praise and worship leader back in the day, everybody was like, Darlene Check. And you, you know, y'all know who I'm talking about, Darlene Check from Hillsong. She's incredible. Shout to the Lord. You know, and you thought, well, I have to be this person or I have to be that. And, you know, I came to the understanding many years ago that I was not her and I never was going to be. I had to be Melissa. I had to be who God created me to be. And, you know, so many times we will. We'll look to the left. We'll look to the right. We'll, we'll start comparing our life. And the only measuring stick that we need is Him. He is our why. He's our why. And when He's our why, that, our life will also involve other people. Loving other people. But you also have to love yourself. It says as you love your neighbor as you love yourself. So right there where you are. You know, I know this morning, you know, we kind of come in and um, go through worship and hear some word. I hope something, I pray that something I've said has pierced your heart, has brought some change to you, renewed your mind, like Bishop said last week, to change your mind, because that's what it does by the washing of the word. But right there where you are, can I just want you to close your eyes. And God, let God, let God speak to you. Ask Him. Listen. Truly open your ears. God, why am I doing what I'm doing? I want you to be my why in everything that I do. I want you to be my why. If you're standing here this morning and you don't know him or you once knew him,